You are listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us in person on Saturdays at 4.30 p.m. or virtually through Zoom or Facebook on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us at www.cumcballston.org. There you can learn more about our congregation and how we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. The Bible message this morning is from Deuteronomy 30, verses 15 through 20. Look here. Today I've set before you life and what's good versus death and what's wrong. If you obey the Lord your God's commandments, that I am commanding you right now by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments, his regulations, and his case laws, then you will live and thrive And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen and so are misled, worshiping other gods and serving them, I'm telling you right now that you will definitely die. You will not prolong your life on the fertile land that you are crossing the Jordan River to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth as my witnesses against you right now. I have set life and death, blessing and curse before you. Now choose life so that you and your descendants will live by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by clinging to him. That's how you will survive and live long on the fertile land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The word of God for the people of God. Our scripture reading this morning presents us with a choice, the choice on how we may choose to live. Our common English Bible translation that Jeannie just read for us said, today I've set before you life and what's good versus death and what's wrong. This is Moses speaking, and he is speaking to God's people just as they are about to enter into the promised land. He knows that when they are living in this new place, there will be so many other possibilities that will demand loyalty from them. This new land will present new people and other gods, people who would tell them, don't worship that God from the wilderness. There are other gods who will make your life simpler, easier, better. Moses was preparing the people for the choices that they would have to make. And he challenged them to commit to doing what was right. Moses wants the people that he led from slavery in Egypt to the promised land to choose to continue to walk with God. He wants them to continue to love God, to enjoy an abundant life. 
This scripture comes at the end of a 40-year walk through the wilderness. This journey was led by God. Exodus 13 tells us the Lord went in front of them during the day in a column of cloud to guide them. And the Lord went before them at night in a column of lightning to give them light. This way they could travel during the day and the night. The column of cloud during the day and the column of lightning at night never left its place in front of the people. So God literally walked with the people from captivity in Egypt to liberation in the promised land. And this is how they have come to know God with them. And Moses knows that the walk is about to end. He wants to prepare them for their next phase of life. They will set down roots in the promised land. They will meet new people and their faith will be challenged. Their identity as God's people was formed through this wilderness walk. So what happens when the walk is over? Moses wants his people to continue to choose to walk with God. But now in a metaphorical sense, a figurative sense, not in a literal walk. Moses says, if you obey the Lord, your God's commandments that I'm commanding you right now by loving the Lord, your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments, then you will live and thrive. Though their physical walk is about to end, Moses wants his people to continue to spiritually walk in God's way. So we today live thousands of years after this journey through the wilderness, but we too are encouraged to walk with God. We often read these and assume it is metaphorical, but this week we're trying to take more of a literal reading of this scripture. When we think of prayer, we often think of someone sitting still. Maybe they're kneeling by their bed at night. Maybe they're kneeling at the communion rail. But prayer walks are a powerful way to pray. This congregation at Central experienced a prayer walk some years ago, led by the Reverend Peter Story. He came for a special weekend to help the people of Central listen for how God was calling them to be in ministry in the community. This former bishop from South Africa took the people of Central on a prayer walk through our neighborhood in Boston. And this prayer walk is a vital part of the journey that led us to transform our property, the place currently under construction that will not only have space for our church and the preschool, but will also have 144 units of affordable housing. This prayer walk was a vital part of our journey as a congregation. It was a literal way to walk through the neighborhood and to pray with God's eyes. Prayer walk doesn't need to be complicated. You can simply ask God to open your eyes so that you might see the world the way that Christ sees the world. What would you notice if you were walking and you saw the world with the eyes of Christ? Would you notice the people that you pass by quickly? Would you see pain and hurt in the world that you hadn't seen before? Would you see an opportunity to offer healing and hope? What would your life be like if you walked through the world with Christ's eyes?
Or maybe instead of asking God to, to open your eyes to the people that you see, maybe you would want to pray for the people that you don't see. Pray for the people who live and work in the buildings that you pass. To walk with God through the neighborhood and to pray for those that you don't know, but who God knows. To pray for the ones who might be hurting and need healing or hope. This doesn't take any special training. It doesn't take any special equipment. You simply need to move through the neighborhood with your heart open to God and see where it leads you. But there is another form of prayer walking that does actually require a little bit of equipment. And it's one that I'm very excited that we will have in our new building. Now, a few weeks ago, I mentioned a friend of mine who has a sticker of a labyrinth on her laptop so that when she takes a break, she can have a few moments of contemplative prayer by tracing the path of that labyrinth with her finger. This morning, I brought with me a finger labyrinth that was given to me as a gift. And this one comes very fancy, comes with this little, if I don't want to use my finger to trace the path, I can use this little stick. And this is the traditional pattern that was in the Cathedral of Chartres in France. And this is not the only labyrinth pattern. There are many of them. But this is the most commonly seen. And this is the one that we are going to have in our fellowship hall in our new building on the floor. Now, a prayer labyrinth can be permanently installed in a floor. It can be indoors. It can be canvas temporarily installed. Or it can be outdoors in grass. Or it can have paving stones. Now, a prayer labyrinth is often very large if you're going to physically walk it. Sometimes it's 30 or 40 feet across. There are different ways to walk a prayer labyrinth. But if you've never walked one before, I want you to know that it's often mistaken as a maze, and it's not at all. A prayer labyrinth is one path into the center. A maze has all sorts of false paths to go and dead ends and all sorts of things. But a prayer labyrinth has a path that you can trust and it will lead you to the center. There are times when it does feel like you may never get there to the center, but you will if you keep walking steadfastly one foot after the other. You simply follow that path with your foot if you're walking one or with your finger if you're tracing one. And that path takes us into the center of the labyrinth. That winding path can be like a mirror for our lives where there's twists and turns, where sometimes it feels like we're really far from God, but then we turn a corner and all of a sudden there we are in the center, in the heart of God. This type of prayer, walking in a labyrinth, is a way to enter into silence and to listen as we walk with our bodies. If you're interested in walking a labyrinth, we actually have some outside here in our community in Arlington. There's one in Barton Park down on 10th Street. The Lutheran Church on South Arlington Ridge Road has one outside that's open to the public. And there are others throughout our community. If you need help locating one, you can go online. There's actually a website called Labyrinth Locator, and that'll tell you the local ones to you. So if you're not in Arlington, just go to that website and find one that is open to you. There's no right or wrong way to have this type of prayer walk. There's no required pace. You don't have to move quickly or slowly. You simply start at the beginning and you walk. 
You follow the path. You walk with God at the pace that you need that day. Now, there are some people who like a little bit more form and structure. And so I'll lift up the traditional three pattern of prayer. The first is the entering stage. This is the time when you are releasing and letting go the stress of your life. During this stage, you're walking toward the center and you might be intentionally shedding or letting go of your worries and emotions. You might be trying to pull down whatever barriers like busyness that stands between you and God. And then you have finally reached the center. This is a time of receiving. This is a time where you might choose to linger as long as you need in the center of that space to receive what God has to teach you, to give you, to heal you. And then as you leave, you leave the center following that exact same path. You may choose to use this time to review what you received from God. You might choose to use this time to think about how you want to be different when you exit. What do you want to carry with you when you leave the labyrinth? And what do you need to leave behind and leave in God's hands? There are also different ways to go into a labyrinth. You could choose to walk and to carry one particular question or issue or concern. You could choose to think of a person who needs your intercessions, your prayers. Or you could simply go in and be open to whatever God has to teach you. You may choose to use one of the prayers that we use in worship, like the Lord's Prayer. Or you may choose to simply walk in silence or with music. There are lots of ways to use a prayer labyrinth as a way of praying with movement. There are many cultures around the world who include physical movement in their prayers. You may have seen Jews praying at the Wailing Wall. You may have seen charismatic churches who clap, who shout, who dance, who run up and down the aisles, who feel the spirit moving in their bodies, and then they clap and they dance. That may not be exactly what we're used to here at Central, but it is a beautiful thing to witness the movement of the spirit that causes people to get up and to move their bodies. Deuteronomy speaks of walking in God's ways, of moving toward God. Prayer is a way to do this, and sometimes this prayer includes using our bodies. So this week, your prayer practice, I hope when you came in that you got one of these handouts, or for those at home, it's on our website and our Facebook page. It's a way to encourage you to pray with your body, to wonder how might you incorporate your body in your prayer time. One of the older gentlemen in a retirement home who I know loved to carry one of those little um, books of Psalms and the New Testament, he would tuck it in his little shirt pocket. And the reason why he liked to have that was because he would frequently get fatigued as he would walk. And so he would sit down when he got tired, pull that out, and he would read a psalm. And usually by the time he was done reading that psalm, he had enough energy to get up and keep on moving. For him, it was a way to incorporate prayer and 
to, re- to recognize that he needed that time of pausing in his walking. So this week, I encourage you, whether you want to use one of the suggestions on our prayer, uh, prayer sheets to walk, to dance, have a dance party, or find some other way to incorporate movement in your prayer life this week. God has an opportunity to teach us something new and different when we choose to enter into a time of praying, sometimes in a familiar way and sometimes in a new way doesn't matter how we choose to enter into this time of prayer. As long as it takes us into the heart of God, that is what prayer is for. And that is the choice that Moses challenged his people to do, was to choose to walk in the way that leads them to abundant life, to walk with God. And so this week, may each of us choose to walk with God 